Hey folks, I'm Jason. And I'm Eric. I teach people how to raise livestock on the land. And I teach people the Bible. I play a little banjo. And I play bass. I'm a passionate bow hunter. And I'm a die-hard Badgers fan. Together we're just two common folk trying to pursue Jesus. And live out our faith beyond Sunday's sermon. Well, it's, uh, we had Friday night football. Yeah, I didn't get to go, but I got to watch it, which is pretty odd. When I was in high school, there you weren't going to be able to watch the games from yeah. home. If you ever want to do something real entertaining, mm-hmm. find out where Matt Olmekin is announcing for a particular Friday night. He announces? Well, he sometimes, so sometimes they recruit him to do this live streaming games that are on YouTube. Oh, yeah, yeah. So you just find that game and you watch the comments. That's awesome. Because most people on the comments don't know who he is, and usually it's something to the tune of, how many Red Bulls did this guy drink? (laughs) (laughs) Nope. That's just him being true to himself. That's awesome. I I was actually impressed with, like, I watch. I mean, there weren't, like, any instant replays or anything, but honestly, it was like, this is... This is oh, very it's getting watchable. better. Yeah, it's getting better all the time. Yeah, so it was it was great to see our team do good, and um, we have the big rivalry game this Friday, so that'll be yep. exciting. Stratford and Edgar. Yep, yep. Les is out of town, so I'll I definitely will will be at that. That'll be a nice. good thing. Yeah, yeah, it's hard to believe that it's here. Yeah. Um, but then oddly, yesterday was the first day all year that I turned on our air conditioner in our house really yeah i had this thing (laughs) most people probably can't believe that so yeah i'm I'm actually very surprised i'm sure it sounds kind of old school but um our house like the way it's it's an old farmhouse Mm -hmm. but it also is positioned like an old farmhouse it has huge maple trees all around it that shade it yep so what we do in the summers we'll open up the windows at night and then in the morning before i come out to my office i close all the windows and it stays cool in there all day mm-hmm. and i really hate when it's hot in the summer going between temperature extremes in and out of the super hot and then super cold yep so we've just been getting by and i'm like hey this is awesome on the electrical bill yeah so i kind of it became a thing but then yesterday morning, I rolled out of bed, and I was like, it is gross. So I turned on the AC. Well, because it wasn't super humid most of the summer because it was no. so dry. And so, I mean, that's I'll say the Midwestern dad thing of, like, it's not the heat that gets yeah. you. It's the humidity. Yeah. And it's now it's finally been quite a bit muggier. Yeah. And I think that is where it is, like... I just can't sleep. If yeah. it's muggy, I won't sleep. So that's where I'm, I'm with you. I would love to not have to turn on the air, but my sleep is just way too important to me. Yeah. I guess we're blessed that we live in a place where we can even have a conversation about not turning on the air. Cause yes. I mean, there's people who live in parts of the country where it's brutal. I don't even think you could sleep inside a building. No. <laughs> Well, and we also don't have the insects, then the yeah, all snakes and all of that stuff. That's as much as I complain about Wisconsin. It is 
it's pretty nice here. I, I do complain. hope we can have a couple more months of nice weather yet, but well, I think it will. I think I just hope we have a, a decent fall. That's a, the the most depressing thing is when it just goes right from eighty to forty. Yeah, when it's like you have like two days in the sixties and it just is right from eighty. Well, to and 40. I have no idea what to expect coming out of a drought year like this because everything is always out of whack. So, like, is yeah. the fall going to be early? Is it going to be short lived? I, I don't know. I, I, I think know. I know kind of what the old timers say, but is there how much truth is there to that? All I know is God's convicted me a lot the past few years about how I'm I'm just that person that always wants it to be whatever season I'm not in. And so, you know, looking at the forecast, this next week is going to be like in the 90s. And I've already like in my heart, like been ready for fall, like football starting yeah. and all that. But I'm going to force myself to like be outside in a tank top and just, nope, it's summer. Enjoy yeah. that. Enjoy the warmth. Enjoy the sun on your skin. Because then I think once winter hits, it's like, I'll at least be able to say like, Hey, I was, I was present yeah. in summer and I, and I got everything out of it. Um, because that's what it, it's just how I've been, you know, as soon as it's hunt, summer, I want it to be fall. As soon as it's winter, I want it to be summer, and it's like I'm always complaining about. Why summer. are we like that? I don't know. I think I think there's just something in our brains that wants to chase what is out of our grasp. I mean, that's the book of Ecclesiastes, which I'm excited about. I always read that book in the fall. That's my I've, fall. I book. actually started reading it two days ago. I love that so. book, and that's where I got my everything's beautiful and it's time. There's a season for everything. Enjoy the beautiful things in whatever season you're in. That's where God really convicted me about that. So that's kind of interesting because one thing that God has put on my heart lately that I think is going to become a mantra of mine mm-hmm. in my house. And and the reason this came up is because my kids, especially my older ones, are getting to the age where they get asked to do work for people and they get paid. And mm-hmm. so some of them are building up. They probably have more money in their account than I do right now, <laughs> some of them. But along with that comes them sort of wanting different things so like they have things they save up for and it just started bothering me how much they talk about the next thing they want yeah i want this i want that and that that's human nature and it's not necessarily bad for them to learn that you can't have something unless you save up for it but the thing i felt god put on my heart is let's want what we have yep well, and it's convict. Oh, go ahead. Um, it, yeah. So it like there's so much to that. Like instead of wanting the next thing, let's just realize that we already have plenty. Yes. And then let's also not forget to appreciate what we have. Yes. That the, there was a convicting thought that I had once, and I might have heard it from somebody, or it might have just come. But it was there is a version of you that was positive that if they just had what you have right now, everything would be perfect. Like oh, that's yeah. a convicting thing. And, and to also realize that like the, the very things that right now I'm thinking if I just had them, I would be happy. There's probably going to be a future me that has them and isn't happy. That's just a convicting like because if it's already happened over and over and over in my life of, well, if I just had this, if I was just married, yeah. then I'd be happy. Well, if I just had a house, then I'd be happy. Well, if I just had this job, if I just had this much in savings and somehow they always happen and somehow I'm never happy. Yeah. So it's like just letting go of like, hey, that probably is never going to work out for me. Just yeah. getting that one next thing and then I'm going to be happy. But you know? it is... You know, as we get older and we start to 
experienced that a whole bunch of times. It it does, I think. I, I can slowly like it's still a hard thing for myself. Like I'm I'm just like my kids. There's always something that I think would be cool to have next or whatever. But I do feel that desire or the pull toward that stuff becoming less the yes. older I get. Just because I've been through it enough times and know like I can probably make a list of specific things that like I wanted for a while and then when I finally got it like within hours of getting it I was like oh, this thing's not as cool as I thought yeah. it was or like why is this thing so popular it's a piece of junk yeah. or well and what's funny is that it used to be like if I just got this thing then I would be happy and now you know pushing 40 I'm like finding myself if I just didn't have this thing I'd be happy like like now it's like if I just didn't because it's like you get the thing and now you got to maintain it you know like we're both musicians and like the thing that is like I want all the guitars yeah. every guitar I see I'm like that's awesome I want it but then I'm like I'll never maintain these like you know how much work it is to keep them strong keep the neck every time the weather changes like get the neck right make sure the intonation is on like I just, like, I don't have the energy to do that. And there's multiple things where I'm like, man, if I just didn't have to maintain this, then I'd be happy. And that was the exact thing that I was sure I'd be happy if I got it. And it's just this this game. But even going back to what you said, that's one thing I my mom used to make me do that I, I appreciate is, like, if I wanted something, I'd be like, hey, I want this. And she'd be like, okay. And it was just kind of like that was the initial, like, was not going to get it, but I voiced that I wanted it. And then if like, you know, a few weeks later I, I said again, like, hey, I want this, then she'd be like, okay, you voiced that a couple times. So yeah, we'll, we'll start looking at it. And then it was like the third time I was like, hey, so are we going to get this? Then it would be like, all right, is there anything else though you'd rather get for that? Yeah. And it's like after a few weeks, if that was still exact, if there was nothing else that had grabbed my attention, then yeah. she usually would be like, okay. But most of the time it was like, well, no, I actually, I think I would actually rather have this if I'm going to get either one, but then it would start over and it'd be like, okay, we're going to do that same process with that, which led to me just not getting a lot of things because yeah. it was just, there was very few things that after that many weeks, I still wanted to choose that over anything else. So I, I try to do that still with myself of like, yeah. not let me get it right at the spur of the moment. I was just thinking of my, my son, Silas, he kind of marches to his own beat. He's just different. And we've always known that about him. So um, he just got my, my oldest son saved up a while ago to buy Jordans. Um, Air Jordans, like yeah. the original ones. So he bought them, but his feet are growing like crazy. So he grew out of them, and they're still in really good shape. So Silas was wearing them the other day, and I can't remember where we were, but he's like, these things are surprisingly uncomfortable. And he's like, in fact, I don't know why so many people spend so much money on these things. Yep. He's like, I would never buy them after this. Yep. Uh, and it's the same thing. It's what, but like you see them every, and so there's kind of this like monkey see monkey do thing that goes on as Absolutely. well. And then we end up with stuff that we don't know. We really don't know why we have it because it's not that great in the first place. Well, absolutely. Well, and then you have all the guilt that that comes with seeing these things that you paid so much for that oh, you're yeah. not using. And so now it's like this burden of like, oh, I got to use it to justify the money. I and mean, you don't even want to use it. Yeah. It's like, 
And I know we're going off on a tangent, but I do think it is, there's something about fall coming and that's what we're going to be in September pretty soon that always makes me just kind of really question like fall is that season of like, like everything that needs to die dies in yeah. fall. And it just, I, I think that's why I love about it is someone who's kind of like just a minimalist at heart. I love that idea of like, it's kind of sad but it's kind of beautiful of like, these were things that couldn't last and they have to die. And I've always just loved taking that season to like look deeper in myself and to be like, okay, what are the things that just aren't going to last that need to die in me? So not to get too dark, but no, that, that's, that's what I love about fall. And I fall to me, fall's my favorite season. I feel like I'm firing on all cylinders in fall. And I think there's a lot of reasons for that. It's like, a comfortable time of year it's my favorite there's so many things i associate with it so that really helps too yes. so it's like a mental and emotional thing but the word i think of with fall is clarity yes. like there's just so much clarity to fall yes. and i think it has to do with all those things i just said yep. but when we have clarity and we're in like that space or mental space i just feel like it's the time to kind of realign everything absolutely it feels like a second wind like to yeah. me it's like it's like summer it's like you're kind of getting tired and then all of a sudden that cool air kind of comes and it's like a second wind i actually i was telling someone this the other day i almost feel like there's just way too many good things in fall like i yeah. feel like we need to spread some of them out i'm like the, my favorite weather that makes me want to be outside so then there's like hunting and we forage for mushrooms and then it's like football is starting then it's like thanksgiving and candy and it's like we should spread some of these out because yeah. i always feel like fall is like on a, on a Friday night, it's like, man, what do I, do I go for a walk out in the woods? Do I go to a football game? Do it like, yeah. what do I do? There's so many great things all around me. So, yeah. Um, I don't know how to make this transition, so I'm going to just make a hard transition. I think we're just like, so now we're talking about something else. <laughs> um, so yesterday service started with our missions moment, and we yes. had some missionaries there from Brazil. Yeah. And I made a note of one thing um, that he said um, toward the end of his sharing. I can't even remember his name right now. I think it was Wilson. Well, it doesn't it yes. doesn't really matter, but he was talking about have living with no limits. Yeah. And putting ourselves in a position to be surprised by God. Yeah. And I kind of think that that we could talk just about that. Yeah. In itself, but that really actually transitioned very well into what you talked about. Yes. Um, it was, it was one of those that I know even for me, it was like when he said it, it was like, oh man, that, that should be a whole sermon of just yeah. putting yourself in a position to be surprised by God. And there's multiple like old Testament stories and even new Testament stories that came to my mind. But I just, it was, it was powerful to hear just kind of their testimony and, 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 you know, the exciting thing was, you know, we have this missions opportunity coming up that's going to be a little more intense for people that allows them to do that and this would be the missionaries that they're working with so it was exciting that like we got to hear and talk to like the missionaries that they they would be you know going and, and serving with and so i think that was really 
really neat. And that was a unique morning. But I also just, it was clear the Holy Spirit was guiding stuff because, like you said, it just, it, it perfectly, you know, and they were referencing the songs we sang that went perfectly with it. And none of it was planned. And I think it was just, you could see God's hand just directing right. it. And I, it just got me thinking, like, man, all the different ways that we put a limit or limits on God and, and like, why do we do it? And, and I think that's where it really ties in well with what you talked about, because you were talking about pain yeah, and what pain achieves. Mm -hmm. And we always hear no pain, no gain. Well, that's probably couldn't, uh, be more relevant than living out our faith. And, but the thing is, is as human beings, the reason we put limits on things is because we're trying to avoid pain. Yes. We're trying to avoid hard work. Mm-hmm. We're trying to streamline things and make and follow the path of least resistance and make things as easy as possible because yes. we associate pain as a bad thing. Yeah. And and hard work. And I know that a lot of people who listen to this are by nature hard workers. That's not necessarily what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about work ethic, but I'm talking about difficult things in life that don't make sense to us. There's so many things we see that just don't pencil out. It it doesn't make Mm -hmm. sense. It doesn't look like it's going to work out, but we don't have to look very far in people's stories, whether it's in the Bible or in the lives of people who have followed Jesus, to know that things work out all the time that make absolutely zero sense. Yes. Well, and I think we're specifically even talking about like, you know, we we avoid pain because obviously we don't like to to feel it, but we kind of talked about how pain can be good or bad. It just really depends on whose hands the pain goes into. But I think, you know, just what I wanted to address is like, there's, there's pain where it's like, oh, this is, this is hard, you know, or, hey, this, this hurt a little bit. And then there's pain where it's like, oh, this is going to leave a permanent mark. This is, this is a deep wound. This is a deep scar. Like this is going to leave a limp. This is, you know, like this is, and whether it's, you know, whatever, being betrayed by a friend, having somebody in authority just really hurt you, um, feeling abandoned by friends or spouses or whatever, like these deep things that are like, you know, that's where I was like, the whole idea of what doesn't kill you makes you stronger just simply isn't true. Like there's things that don't kill you that leave you a lot weaker because Mm -hmm. they wound you very, very deeply. And, you know, we talked about Naomi and, you know, her just being like, just call me bitter because that is entirely who I am. Like that pain did not leave her stronger. It, you know, not until she, she handed it over. And that was the whole idea of like, you know, we tend to think of in terms of pain of like, well, we just need to be willing to feel pain for our faith. And it's like, that's true. But uh, a deeper thing is we have to be willing to give up our pain and our wounds and, and hand them over to God. And I think that might be surprising to a lot of people how hard that is to let go of our wounds and weaknesses and scars. We hold them pretty tight to our chest um, and so that was like one of the main goals of just me even talking about how we limit God of like, we limit God because we see ourselves just in terms of our wounds and our weaknesses and we won't let them go. And then it's like, so when God calls us to something, like we talked about Gideon, like we talked about Moses, it's like, 
well, I can't because I have all these weaknesses. Um, and just so then we call, start yeah. putting limits on what we can even do, mm-hmm. where we can go. All you know, we we start formulating these excuse lists <laughs> yes. for why we can't achieve great things or why we can't make this pivot in our life or you know we have all these reasons and then basically we're just putting limits on god yeah because i mean ultimately that's i think we think it's like well we're just putting limits on ourselves and that sounds noble but it's like, no, at, at its core, you're putting limits on God because you're saying, God, you cannot overcome my wounds. You can't overcome my scars. You can't overcome any of this. And that's really telling God that he's not strong enough. Mm-hmm. Even though in our hearts, we're like, well, no, we're really just down on ourselves. It's like, but really you're down on God because no matter how weak you are, if you have a true awe and respect for the power of God, you're going to know that your weakness is are not a problem for right. him. But I just don't think we always really think through it that way, that we're truly saying, God, you're not strong enough. We think we're saying, God, I'm not strong enough, but that's really what we're saying. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. And then, so then, you know, we don't have to look any further than Paul and Scripture to see an example of this playing out. Mm-hmm. And, um, so, and this is referenced a lot, like I don't, mm-hmm. not many people who come to church have, have never heard yes. this story, yep. but I, but I also don't know if everyone understands completely what it means. Right. Yeah. I think it'd be good to just unpack it a little bit. And even on Sunday, I tried to like, you know, <laughs> let people into the headspace of what Paul is talking about when he said this. I mean, he's, you know, he planted this church in Corinth. A lot of theologians believe that, you know, because Paul said that he was he was kind of shaking and trembling when he first preached the gospel. Many theologians believe, like, it's because he had just come from getting beaten somewhere else. And it's like he he laid everything out. He poured himself out for these people and he'd really, you know, again, we want to talk about wounds and scars. It's like they betrayed him. They they suddenly got enthralled with these other church leaders, and they were basically telling Paul, like, yeah, you don't really have anything of value for us anymore. We're going to we're gonna listen to these people instead. And so you got Paul just dealing with, like, it hurt. Like, you, if you read the Second Corinthians, like, you just you can see the hurt of Paul of, like, man, this really wounded him. And he's trying to be like, yeah, I've got, I still have value. And it's like in the midst of this, he's like, you know, but here's what I know. Here's what God told me is that even though I have this pain that I want to leave and it's causing all this weakness in me that I don't want, I'd rather be strong. I'd rather this pain go away so I could be strong. God's like, no, my grace is sufficient for you because my power is made perfect in your weakness. And so I don't this, think we realize the, the the strength of that statement. Yeah, so this thorn in his side never went away. No. So to go back to your point of what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Well, the, in this case, it didn't kill him, but it definitely didn't make him stronger. No. It, it ailed him constantly, Absolutely. and it never went away. He asked for it to go away, and it never went away. But he continued. He rose above it. 
Yes. In other words, he did not allow that to become a limit. Yes. He did not allow that to become his identity. Yes. So did he have a weakness? Yes. Yes. Did it become his identity? No. Absolutely. If it would have become his identity, he would have been known by the guy who was limited by that thorn in his side. Yep. But instead, he's known by the guy who was able to do incredible things despite a thorn in his side. Absolutely. I think that's a great way to put it. And that's the word that, even as I was preparing the message, just kept coming up over and over again was identity. Is like, his weakness didn't become his identity. It wasn't. It was the power through his weakness that became his identity. But that's that's the thing that Paul did is he gave his weakness to God. Like, And that was my biggest challenge for our church is there are going to be times, probably most of the time, where the only thing you have to offer God is your weakness, is your wounds and your limps and your scars. And it's like, are you courageous enough to give it to him? Because the problem is if you get it to him, then it can't be your identity. You can't be the guy who can't do this or the person who whatever. And I think that's the scariest part. So we're all... so. To bring this back to ourselves then, we're basically faced with a choice. Yep. And we have to make that choice. Um, in Second Corinthians 12, Paul ends up saying, my power is made perfect in weakness. Mm-hmm. So basically what he, what he, and I don't know if he knew this at the time. I think he's saying this more in retrospect, like... Um, that weakness that I had that I chose to not let become my identity. Now in hindsight, I see that while I thought that was the thing that was restricting me of power or getting in the way of having the power that I needed to do what I need to do. In hindsight, I now know that I only have that power because of that weakness. I think that's a critical piece of information for those of us following Jesus to understand because we all have weaknesses yes. and we all could uh, lean on that weakness as an excuse, yes. which is going to limit God and limit us. Yes. Well, and I think that you hit on a, a huge point is like, we all have weaknesses. We all have wounds. We all have been hurt very deeply you know, and that's where I even started the message talking through. We all, you know, Psalms where it says, cast your cares on the Lord. The word cares is like your cross, the the weight that you've been given to carry. And we all have that. We yeah. have all been hurt. And I think just even not letting yourself get into that headspace of like, woe is me. Like, yeah. I'm the one who's all broken. I'm the one who's all wounded. Everyone else is strong and I'm weak. And it's like, no. We are all wounded. We're all messed up. We are all broken. The world has has messed us up because, and I'm, I'm sure you've heard this example before, but it's like if you break a bone and it heals incorrectly, it has to be rebroken. And it's like we've all been broken in ways and kind of tried to heal it ourselves and healed very twisted and like yeah. incorrectly. And it's like, we all have to go through that rebreaking process because all of us are messed up. Like that's just the reality of it. So let's 
maybe to for the second half of this conversation the thing i want to focus on i wasn't thinking of this until right now so i'm sort of flying by the seat of my pants here but we live in a pretty special culture slash society community whatever you want to call it we're blessed in so many ways um a lot of us grew up in nice families um where we had parents who cared for us i understand that that can't be said for everybody but just generally speaking in in a midwestern small town place like this a lot of us had that experience where we knew our family members we knew we were loved we were cared for uh we have nice memories of childhood there's maybe hiccups here and there Mm -hmm. for some people it's bigger i know that but what do you say to someone who and and i would even put myself in that category i grew up in a home where i i had you know i knew i was loved i had everything i needed i have very fond memories i i you know had relatives who i was close to i knew god i grew up in the church um i can't sit here and be like i had all these terrible things happen to me right um but yet this is still relevant to people who would describe their past that way and and i would say that it might even it's not more relevant but it's relevant in a whole different way and i so i guess where i'm going with this is i kind of want to bring up some examples to help people see that this relates to them as well it doesn't have to be someone who if, if you don't if you can't like pinpoint like abuse or addiction or yeah. something traumatic that happened to you in your past, this is still relevant to you. Yeah. And and I'll just say that there was a, a time in our life when Jocelyn and I were married and we were still kind of figuring out where we were going to be. Our journey took us to a church where we grew a ton mm-hmm. But a lot of the people in that church had background, very rough backgrounds of like drugs, some of them homelessness, um, and came from stuff like that. And I would feel very irrelevant sometimes in that circle because I'd be like, man, I had a cushy childhood and I, I was loved and I had everything I needed. And I feel like these people's their story is so much more powerful than mine. I know now that that was not true, but it was something that I was led to believe and I struggled with for a while. Like what, what do I have in my life to look back at as a point that drove me to knowing that I needed Jesus? And it wasn't as drastic as some of those other people, but to, to bring this back and to not ramble too much, I, I think even though I can't talk about really obvious sources of pain in my past, this is still relevant. Absolutely. Well, and that's, I think you have to understand, like with injuries, there are, there are multiple reasons for injuries. And when we think of an injury, and again, today we're obviously talking about like emotional and mental in- injuries, but if we even just sometimes it's easier to understand like physical injuries as an example, we tend to think of like the big like 
things that happen. There's, you know, whatever. You get into a car accident or, you know, there's an accident at work and it's like this devastating big injury. And it's like, and yes, those are real and those are, are scary. But the majority of the injuries and injuries that are very, like, debilitating are, like, the just small repetitive things. Like, you don't quite stand right. And over years your back gets messed up and Mm -hmm. it's just as debilitating as the person who got into that car accident or whatever you want to call it tennis elbow or whatever it's Mm -hmm. just something being a little off for long enough that it really messes and if you were to talk to a doctor that's most of the debilitating injuries are from these like you did something incorrectly a little bit long enough that your whole body got a little messed up and twisted and mangled. And that's what I would say is like, I, you know, I'd put myself in that spot. I had great parents at all, you know, like there was no major trauma or abuse that happened to me. But if I were to take an honest, just assessment of my mental place and my emotional place is like, it was just twisted up. It just wasn't right. And it wasn't that any one big thing happened. It's just, you know, without Jesus, like we can't, we cannot operate the way we were made to operate. Something's going to be off. And over time, no matter what, even if nothing big happens, it causes injuries. In so us. can I take that a step further Absolutely, then? I get yeah. this. I, I almost like in my long rambling forgot like where I was going with yeah. it, but you, you sort of continued in that direction. So I think that sometimes recognizing our weakness can be even more difficult when our weaknesses look normal, yes. quote unquote normal, or look like stuff that is readily accepted by those around us. Yes. And so I think that there's probably people out there whose they may have never identified this or called it out, but their weakness may be that... Um, they they could be a great person, but their weaknesses they just don't um, know scripture or something like yeah. that as an example. So like they could be God could be nudging them to do something in ministry, but their excuse is I didn't grow up in the church, I don't know scripture. Yep. Or their weakness could be the fact that they have been told their whole life that they're a great person. Mm-hmm. and they help people out and stuff like that, but they could have pride. Yep. Pride can be a major thorn in someone's side that gets in the way from or puts limits on what how God wants to use you. Absolutely. And so I do believe that there's a lot of proverbial, proverbial thorns in our side or mm-hmm. weaknesses that may look like perfectly fine things to live with. Yeah to most of the world around us. Absolutely. Well, and I'll get, I'll just get really personal with me here. Cause I know that's, I've got the best example of, but again, I'm not someone who was ever homeless or like had these huge traumatic events. I mean, obviously I had some prodigal years, but like, I'll give you an example of how this, this might look just personal in my life. So I'm someone that ever since I've been a little kid, I think it was just my personality of like when something happened that either hurt me or was was a difficult thing for me to deal with I wanted to be by myself so that was just how I would react is like you know whatever I had a hard day at school 
I'd get home and I, I didn't want to talk to anybody. I wanted to just hide somewhere. Mm-hmm. And you might be like, well, that's not a big deal. But you give 28, 30 years of every time you're hurt, you are alone. And over time, your brain gets a wound that says, no one cares. Like if, if something is hard, no one else is going to help. I have to do it by myself. There was no big traumatic thing that happened. It was just a repetitive injury because I was doing something incredible. It's not like it's wrong to do it every time or like, like that you're never allowed to be alone. But it's like those are things where with Jesus, that's not how I would have handled it. It would have mm-hmm. been like, hey, maybe I need some space, but I'm letting Jesus in on this and I'm not going through this alone. But because I was doing it in my human ways, which is just off and again not like evil no one would look at that and be like wow that was sinful but it was just not in God's design and over time you get a wound because you're just you get an injury because you're you're doing something wrong over mm-hmm. and over and over again you type on your computer wrong over and over and suddenly your wrist is like I can't do normal things I've got this like nagging horrific injury it's because I'm typing wrong on my mm-hmm. computer and that would be the example that I give is like, it doesn't have to be big things. It's just doing things without Jesus over and over and over again cause wounds because we're doing it in ourselves and we're trying our best to do it in a way that works, but it's always going to be a little bit off and a little bit wrong. We just have to understand that there's wounds in our thinking and in our heart and in our soul from these things and it does not need to be big things so that's like a personal example for me of even something I've battled in the past five years of like I kind of drew a line in the sand of like all right when something really hurts I am not allowed to be like I have to share it with something I have to have either a friend or Les that I I have to talk to because I've realized that it is a wound that I cannot hold on to anymore because that was very much how I viewed myself I'm the one that when stuff gets hard, I got to deal with it myself. So so all of these things that we've talked about are things that lead us to believe that we're not adequate mm-hmm. to be used by God yeah. in one way, shape, or form. Absolutely. So it becomes, a, uh, uh, it becomes us believing, or it's an inadequacy thing, yeah. okay? So... I think we as humans believe that the only way to overcome that is to either make it go away, which is in most examples of things that would lead us to think we're inadequate, is like extremely hard to do. Yeah. Uh, sometimes impossible to do. Yep. I mean, in Paul's example, it was not possible. So whatever it was, it, it could have been like a handicap or something, mm-hmm. like something that he... It could have been a physical thing that there's just no way to, yeah. and and that could be the case for some people. So I think in our human nature, we think it either has to go away mm-hmm. or we have to like forget about it yep. or, or just believe that it's not there anymore. Yep. But then that's not right either because if you... If you are a certain way, you're a certain way. You can't trick yourself into believing. Right. So so then what is 
God or what do we learn from Paul? Like then what's the alternative to those? And it's basically saying, God, without you, there's no way anything, there's no way I'm going to achieve anything. And so we basically embrace the fact that we have this thing, this weakness, and we just give it to God. Absolutely. No, and I think think even the other option would be to try to compensate for it, is I know I'm weak in this area, so it's up to me to be so strong in other areas that no one will ever see this weakness. And that's a, a dangerous path to mm-hmm. try to walk. And so I agree. That's what we learned from Paul. It's like, God, this is a weakness. I'm broken here, but it's yours. Do what you want. If you want to take it away, that's awesome. If you want to keep it, but say, I've got a use for this. Watch what I'm going to do. That's awesome. Or if you just want to just have this be here and just be a reminder of your grace that I can have joy and contentment even if not everything is perfect and even if there is still some some pain going on in my life and that's where again just me being open with mine that's where it was like okay god number one it's scary to give up your identity of okay i'm the one that when things get hard i have to do it on my own because that means that whatever pride or whatever i was getting out of that identity i have to give up of like no like you don't have to do it alone. You're choosing to because mm-hmm. you're broken. And so you can choose not to and say, okay, God, now I give this to you. And now you do whatever it is that you want with it. Maybe you're going to take it away where that's not even my my tendency anymore. And it just is, or it's something that I'm going to have to continue to wrestle with for the rest of my life. And it's just going to be a reminder of how much I need you because, you know, whatever, I'm, I'm not there yet. But I think it's just that willingness of like, God, it's yours to do whatever you want. Yeah. With. This is yours. And um, and I think if you can do that, then it puts the outcome in God's court. And that's always what you want. You want yeah. the outcome to be God's responsibility because he's the one that's got the big plan. Right. You know? So that's what I would say for me even is is how I've approached it is I give this to you. I won't let this be my identity anymore. I let go. And however you want to deal with it, and maybe it is that I'm just going to wrestle with this, but you're going to be here wrestling with me in it. Um, Or maybe it is that you're just going to supernaturally free me from this this wound and you're going to rewire my brain in a way that like that's just not my tendency anymore and um but ultimately i'm not going to let this be who i am and i'm also not going to hide it either it's going to get given to god and now he gets to do whatever he wants with it and that's where i I told our congregation you have to then believe that if you give it to god it will become something good and that sometimes is hard hard to believe well, I think that's a good place to end today. Yeah, absolutely. So, Lord, um, we just our prayer today is is we all know that we've have weaknesses, um, and first and foremost, we don't want to overlook the fact that you can take anything away. You give and take away, and so we do know that some of these things that we struggle with, you can all of a sudden take it from us Um, but we have to be willing to give it to you in the first place so whether you take it from us or allow us to live with it 
Um, we just, I, I pray that anyone listening will just be willing to give it to you. And then if it is something that we're going to uh, continue to deal with, I, I just um, pray that it can be used in a way that does not put limits on what you can do in our lives. And we just pray that expectantly and we thank you. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen.